In a world covered in plague and political intrigue, three adults need to combine forces to discuss the banal, the painful, the licensed. Live by irony, die by the sword. Watchbots, this time will certainly be a time. Everybody, welcome to Watchbots, the podcast about everything. This is Ben. They call me Mr. Freeze. I'm joined <laughs> by Shailen. Hello. They call Mr. Chips. Okay. And by Dave. What do they call me? Mr. Hoops. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> they call you Dave. And I, I don't just That's say right. that because there's basketball on the TV. They call you Mr. Hoops. Because I'm always I'm always taking that rock to the hole. That's you know right. What I'm saying, yeah. And I want to address something right off the top. Okay. Our collective beloved Boston Celtics are in the in the playoffs here, and they're in a tight game with the Milwaukee Bucks. So if I start getting into weird metaphors and being like, "Wow, that cartoon was a swish," you know, <laughs> you, you'll understand why. We try to keep this professional and above boards, but it's a big game, guys. It's a big game. I don't this, care if you don't like it. This episode was a buzzer beater. What can I say? <laughs> I'm not, yeah, th- that's a three slam. Chilland, there's no way you can rebound from that poor joke. I can't believe you're going to force me to tip off the enemy. I don't, I don't, I'm not good at sport <laughs> metaphors, guys. You know, I'm going to wave my hands in the air because I feel fine. Hopefully this game doesn't go into overtime. <laughs> you know, it's a deep cut, then. But yeah, Space Jam, a real, real deep cut. Nobody's ever heard of that. Now, Space what? <laughs> we're entering uh, the, the summer season here, and we'll get to the topic of our episode in a minute, but this is all, it's all related. It's a rich tapestry. Mm. I've been to the movies twice in the last month. What have you seen? Both solo trips, both midweek, both during the day. I saw the Batman, and I recently saw uh, the new Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and it made me realize, almost independent of the quality of the movies, and they were both good, that the spring-summer-day movie trip, I think, is one of the more visceral pleasures in life. it It is an underrated one as well. I don't think enough people talk about it i don't think enough people do it it needs to be done more in our society because you go to the movies now Mm -hmm. and a few years ago you know everybody they're just chatting through the movie shailen and i famously saw super bad and i almost flipped a fucking gasket because people wouldn't shut the fuck up (laughs) but there was like 
15 years ago. Years ago. <laughs> but, now, but now, famously, you know. Man, it just it got hurt. It, it's, it's just an irritating experience. And now everybody texts Post through Post-theater stress syndrome. So I love going to the movies. And we lost that for a long period of time for obvious reasons. And now that it's back, I want to keep that enjoyment as pure as possible. You know, so like the idea of going to a crowded night movie holds much less allure to me than like Tuesday at 1 p.m. <laughs> Get my small popcorn, no butter, bottle of water, very sensible. No butter. Yeah, what am I, a monster? If you're eating popcorn with no butter, you might be. Give me the paper-flavored popcorn, please. <laughs> if you're eating your popcorn without butter, you might be a monster. <laughs> I've only seen a couple movies by myself in the afternoon, or uh, and it's usually like on a work trip. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. And, which is which is nice. It's like I'm I'm gonna fuck off from this this conference that I'm at or this uh, meeting I was supposed to have, and just go to the the local theater and and watch Star Trek Two. Um, Trek into Darkness or whatever it was with Benedict Cumberbatch, Mm -hmm. which was not a great movie, but I loved that viewing experience. It was fun. It was a fine movie. uh, I wasn't a fan of it. I thought one and three were better. One and three were better. They were. I'm not I'm not denying that. I'm just saying it was fine. It's like the opposite of the original sure. series yeah. movies curse. Yeah. Mm. Two, four, six are better. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. And the best is Nemesis. Um No, I'm just joking. Nemesis, mm. I don't First, I don't like first contact for me. <laughs> I feel like I saw half of the Marvel movies on work trips for that exact reason. Like I'm like Iron Man Two, Captain Marvel, Amazing Spider Man Two, Avengers Infinity War. I don't remember my theater experience for most of the Marvel movies. I remember okay. seeing Captain America <laughs> and Civil War with you. Well, we don't need to talk about every movie we've ever gone to see. My point was, <laughs> I was agreeing with Dave that the work trip, the solo movie is a good thing. But it raises another question. So like, do you have a favorite movie going experience? Like, like a particular movie? Yeah. I, well, I'm going to answer your question thrice Ooh, yes. Uh, in chronological order. One, uh, Batman Forever, <laughs> a movie that was built up for a long time, but um, that was my birthday present one year, is my parents rented a limo, and we went and p- picked people up, and we went to go see Batman Forever, and then we went to Bertucci's to get some pizza. That sounds like oh, a man. great experience. It was pretty rad. It was good stuff. Number That's two, what you suggested to Shailen for your wedding, wedding day. God, it would have been so much better. I would have done yeah. it. Yeah, I bet. Number two, The Dark Knight, for reasons that we will talk about uh, in a few minutes here. And number three, uh, actually, I just mentioned it. Avengers Infinity War was was a real good time. I saw it opening night in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> I just <laughs> randomly, like I was on a work trip and it was opening. And, you know, Avengers Infinity War, I think, was the last big like event movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, man, everybody's going to lose their shit about this movie. And I went. What about at, Endgame? Uh, a little less so. Infinity War, you know, being a comics nerd, I, of course, knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. But the whole theater seemed to be full of people who had no clue. So when Thanos did the snap and then the movie just kind of ends with him being a farmer, people were <laughs> losing oh, their man. shit. It was just like this weird, eerie silence. And then people were like, what? <laughs> so, I, you know, uh, fun fun times. I remember seeing Jurassic Park in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So my dad took me and my older sister to that. My mom took my two younger sisters to see Dennis the Menace, starring Walter Matthau. And... <laughs> That movie was amazing to see on the big screen. It was like I saw Honey Honey I Shrunk the Kids was the first movie I saw in the theaters. 
But Jurassic Park was the first one to like drop my jaw and and just be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember it being so intense. I had to leave during the Velociraptor kitchen scene because I was so scared. And then I went back and I was like, this is amazing. I love this. I want this to happen every time I see a movie. Like I get so scared and tense. Like I have to leave. Like that's, it was this amazing experience. I do remember our dark night. We saw that together. Opening night. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do remember the Lord of the Rings return of the King. Mm-hmm. That was an experience because it started off really, really great. And then uh, the movie was amazing. I loved it. And then it just kept going and going <laughs> and going. And people started like kind of chafing in their seats and like getting up and leaving despite the movie not being fully over. Oh, now my seat's chafing me. That's my, the ones I can remember anyway. Those are my memorable theater mm-hmm. experiences. Shailen, you got one? So for me, I remember seeing Gone with the Wind when it was first released. <laughs> no, my first ever movie, and it was Land Before Time, and it was miserable. But because I was sick, because <laughs> of the movie. Oh, no, I was sick. Um, no, They're I remember. So my family had gone on vacation <laughs> up to Maine, and we were supposed to meet with my dad's friend's family that was vacationing in New Hampshire, and we we're going to go to Water Country, like collectively. Right, and I was friends with their kids and like my sister and all. So you saw Waterworld. I'm not done yet. You saw. Don't Day- interrupt me. You saw Daybreak. I didn't interrupt you. Be the first time. <laughs> uh, we can't go to Water Country when there's thunder and lightning because it would be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we were also disappointed. And I had been begging to see Jurassic Park, and my parents kept saying, "You're not 13. You're not 13. You're not 13." Right. Well then. Water country got ruined on the family vacation, mm-hmm. and my parents went, You know what? Let's just see Jurassic Park. <laughs> and they brought me to see Jurassic Park, and it was amazing, as Dave points out. Uh, I maintain we saw a weird version of that movie with the last 30 seconds that were like ominous, <laughs> uh, that apparently my father and I both imagined. What was the last 30 seconds? <laughs> so I have this memory that's obviously false, right? Like it can't be real. Where at the very end, they're in the helicopter, and then you see a bag with a shaving cream can, and it tips over sideways. <laughs> and, like, it's this weird, like, prediction like for the- out of the helicopter? No, it's, like, in the helicopter. Somehow it got into oh, someone's oh. bag. <laughs> and, I like, I have this memory, which is very clearly not real. Like, that didn't happen. But my dad and I have talked about it so many times that I'm like, how did we both have this false memory? It's bananas to me that that's a thing. It's the Berenstain, Berenstein bears of, of Steven Spielberg films. But it's like just weirdly the two of us who had that like hallucination, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we got abducted by aliens after the theater. I can't tell you what happened. I just know that it's a weird thing. It's the Mulduna effect, I believe. <laughs> yes, it's the Mulduna <laughs> effect. And I would also say that, so when we were kids, there was this amazing like penny theater down um, in Buzzards Bay. And it was like... Oh, the old Buzzards Bay Penny. It was the Buzzards Bay Theater. I know. That's what I said. And for like five bucks, you could see a movie that had been out for like a long time. And we would go down in my neighbor's station wagon with a bunch of cans that we collected on the side of the road. We would go to the Redemption Center, <laughs> cash in all the cans. We'd ride our penny farthings. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd cash in the cans, take the money, go to Benny's down the street where you could get three candy bars for a dollar. We each got one candy bar, and then we'd go see the cart, whatever the Disney release was that had come out like six weeks before. I don't know still why. The theater, and it was the but best. But I'm going to lay the Sanford and Son theme onto that whole story. <laughs> <It just seems laughs> a good fit. So the point is. 
Movies are good. Uh, we're near the, the start of the summer season here, and it feels like, for the first time in a couple of years, for obvious reasons, movies are back, baby, the, the summer blockbuster season. And almost as much as movies themselves, one thing I'm really fond of is movie trailers. You know, they used to be such a part of the movie going, I mean, they still are, but they used to be a more exclusive part of the movie going experience. And then I got like a gateway PC in 1995 that came with Encarta and it had, <laughs> it had movie trailers for, I think the Kyle McLaughlin movie, the hidden and Lance Hendrickson man's best friend. And I just watched those over and over and over. And now, now at the internet, you know, there's trailers everywhere, but they're always such a fun nugget, you know, give you something to look forward to. I love a fun nugget. Yeah. A fun nugget. We'll, 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 we'll save that drop. Um, <laughs> The beauty of the the trailer is that people get really excited about it in different ways. Some some people get upset by trailers. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a popular like Marvel movie, they'll get pissed off that the trailer revealed too much or didn't reveal enough. People will break down the trailer and try to essentially figure out what the movie is going to be about. And then when they see the movie, they get very upset. That is like a fascinating rabbit hole to go down for me uh, on the internet, she's like, why, why did you, why are you, you're giving this a poor grade because you watched a two minute trailer where a production company cut it so they wouldn't have any spoilers. And now you're mad that it didn't come out the way you predicted it. And they will plug false information in now. And Dave, you've you've touched on something that boy, I could go on for (laughs) like a tight 40. Uh, And we know because he, he did it last night. I, was looking up the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer for the new, the new Disney. Which looks Plus. really it, good. It looks good. But yeah. I found it. And then I found alongside it, two things which really befuddled me. One is fake trailers. So people taking yes. footage from other movies. So one of them, I had to laugh because Ewan McGregor, what is he in his fifties? Probably. I yeah, mean, but, he looks better but, than no, he that. He looks but. good, but he looks good. But so people, after the series was announced, they made like these fake trailers with Ewan McGregor looking like he's 75. And it's like, wow, they, they did that poor bastard no favors. But then <laughs> there's also the reaction things. And it's just people fucking watching and like, hmm, I, listeners won't see this, but like I'm making exaggerated faces and gesticulating. and it's, or, or like something cool happens or like the lightsaber will come out and people are like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oh shit. And it's like, yeah. For the newest trailer that came out a week or two ago, there, there was one account. I think it was Little Girl Reacts or something. This thing had 70,000 views, and it's not even the trailer. It's this fucking dummy looking at, I, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. But that's that's neither here nor there. We'll get in the trailer culture as we go. But for a different kind of show this week, we've each gone through and picked out some of our favorite trailers of all time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Some more, much more bizarre than others, but I, I suppose we'll get there. We'll see how many we get through here, but I've, I've got, so for all of these, I've grabbed uh, the release dates, the budgets. Yeah, you didn't understand the assignment. <laughs> the Maybe life, I just thought our listeners would like my take better. The lifetime grosses. So, you know, this will be a little loosey-goosey. I got a few clips for these. Uh, some of them are two and a half minutes, so I obviously didn't grab the whole thing, but, but who wants to kick us off? I nominate Ben. Me, huh? Mm-hmm. I have to remember what I picked. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We'll start this one. Um, so as I was going through this, and I had a blast because, as I said, I love movie trailers and would just watch them constantly. I was making my list of ones that particularly stood out. 
And there was a theme, which was there was a shitload of movies that I was really excited by the trailer, and then the movie was just a horrible disappointment. So Transformers, the original movie, probably tops on that list for me. The animated one from the 80s? Or no, the no, no, no. The original Michael Bay movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the movie that I went to see in theaters, and there was a guy in the theater who was like, oh, I've been waiting for this for 20 years. And then he was just disgusted at the end, things like and, that. And then he hung himself in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> the essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then there was this one. I mean, this is probably one of the, I'm just going to guess, most watched trailers ever. Well, maybe not anymore. But um, it's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And this trailer back in 1999 was such this big cultural phenomenon, right? To put it in perspective, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. And there had always been talk about the prequel movies and the prequels. The prequels. And when the trailer finally came out in 1999, I think it was attached to the Wing Commander movie. And people... We're buying tickets to the Wing Commander movie to go see the Phantom Menace trailer. And then they were just bailing on the Wing Commander movie, which is fucking wild. <laughs> Imagine making most of your box office because of a two-minute trailer. Yeah, I sort of wonder how much bank they made off of Star Wars fans. But a circumstance that could literally never be replicated. And... I mean, the idea with the movie is just everybody knows the story of the Phantom Menace at this point. You know, it made, uh, let's see, after re-releases, it's, it made over a billion dollars in the box office. It is the number 44 movie of all time in terms of earnings. So it made bank, but people were just so disappointed. And I would say part of it is because the trailer makes the movie look pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about the trailer? Because I rewatched it. I, I You sent the clips along and I, I rewatched it. And I was like, I could see getting excited, but I think like, it just, I don't know. There was, there was, maybe I couldn't put myself in that, in my 15 year old self shoes anymore. But th- there was like a lack of excitement from the trailer. See, I completely, I have to think about like contextually, right? When I saw that, it was the first time I had seen new Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I grew up after all of the Star Wars movies had already been released. I watched them repeatedly as a kid. And so seeing like new content and oh, there's Yoda. And, oh, guys, 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 look at the robe and the Jedi. Right. You get so excited about it because it's oh new. Jesus Christ. It's um, baby Anakin. <laughs> Anakin was less exciting to me than the rest of it. But like, oh man, there's going to be a new lightsaber battle. Holy shit, that hasn't happened in forever. Unless you count like the guy on YouTube who's jumping around in front of the curtain with his lightsaber and falling over. So to me, that was the excitement of like the novelty of here's new Star Wars content that has, like, there hasn't been new content in at least a decade. Content. At that point. How many? I was so excited. For content. I think it's a couple of things to answer your question, Dave. One is, yes, it was a new Star Wars thing. And they really did a good job picking out the best things to show. Like they showed the pod racing and they showed fucking Darth Maul coming out and like boom, boom. But they showed him light up one side of the, the lightsaber. And then the other one. And you're like, and, oh, and yeah. The other one, like a couple seconds oh, later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's, you know, it opens up like every generation has a legend, which is just such a meaningless movie line. But then like you get the music like this. Like it's going to swell and you're like, oh man, fucking Star Wars. 
yeah, cool. <laughs> and there's there's the the spaceship like. Like things, building up. things are moving around. There, there are a couple of funny things I'll point out, though. And I always get a kick out of this. Anybody knows in Star Wars, Anakin turns bad. He turns into Darth Vader, kills Obi-Wan later, only after Obi-Wan had left him uh, to be a burning husk on the side of a mountain in Mustafar. <laughs> he was supposed to be the chosen <laughs> it's one. So this this very innocent line, it's it kills me in the movie. It kills me in the trailer, too. Anakin Skywalker? Meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and it's young Ewan McGregor meeting, you know, little boy Jake Lloyd, and they shake hands, and it's like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to just fucking be savage at each other at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Only matter of time. For me, the, that's tragic, right? And then the but the movie, the, the trailer here is just like, hello, characters, please. It, it's nice to meet, make your acquaintance and uh, be nice. And the the music's all, like, bouncy and stuff. It's It just doesn't... It doesn't jive knowing the fates of these two. <laughs> Perhaps the duel of the fates, huh? Yes, exactly. Mm. So to put this movie in context, before we move on here, uh, as I mentioned, it's the number 44 movie of all time, right between Finding Dory and Alice in Wonderland. So a huh. whole trio of movies that didn't exactly cover themselves in glory, but uh, the budget was $115 million. made over $1 billion after re-releases. So, you know, pretty good there. And then number one movie in 1999 by far. Other movies that came out that year that did well, The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Spy Who Shagged Me was number three <laughs> in the U.S. The Matrix? And, uh, Matrix number five huh, okay. and did not make as much money as you would think. And uh, Toy Story 2 rounding off the top five. So weird year for movies. But like I said, there was a whole theme for me of movies where it was like oh this trailer looks awesome that's what this is what i remember and then you go back to the movie and you're like oh yeah oh wow yeah, that, mm-hmm. that wasn't great yeah, there's an there's art a, to it like, a lot of rubbery looking droids there you know what though i'll watch the phantom menace any day of the week <laughs> it's an incoherent babbling mess but it's still kind of fun and qui-gon <laughs> had a cool lightsaber so that's true he did he did yes who wants to go i'll go okay let's go with Ben, earlier you were talking about fake trailers. Mm-hmm. This was before like streaming was a thing and YouTube was a thing. So like around 2002, I had seen a movie a year before called The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. It got me into The Lord of the Rings. I was reading those. I had read all of them that year in anticipation of the second movie, The Two Towers, coming out. So what did I do? I went on to Kazaa or LimeWire, whatever I had at that time, and tried to download the Two Towers movie trailer. Mm -hmm. And someone, a lot of people actually, had taken a lot of care to recut the Fellowship of the Ring (laughs) and add in dialogue from other movies. Sure. Excellent. To make a trailer for the Two Towers. So you had shit like, you know, shots of Frodo, clearly from the Fellowship of the Ring, with lines from from other fantasy films like Legend with Tom Cruise, with the music from the movie Camelot mm-hmm. embedded, <laughs> like bedded into the track. That for me was part of the movie experience of the Two Towers, which just like figuring out what kind of psychotic people are going to make uh, out of the trailer. But eventually. The Two Towers trailer did come out, and it fucking ruled. 
I think the big battle there was the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. And I remember the trailer just being that. Like, it's just sort of like this tension, this very tense trailer where the, um, the bat, like, you know, the Urukai and the, you know, the good guys are all like kind of standing and facing each other, very tense and everything. And then it goes two towers. But this one, this trailer has a little more before that. But still, like, that got me and my friend, like, really, really really amped up we almost almost dressed like elves and dwarves for the for the when we saw the actual movie i mean i don't know why you didn't i don't know yeah. what's more disappointing like what would have been easier to make fun of like that you almost didn't chickened out or that you yeah you fucking like, I pussy wish, part of me is like if you had just like grabbed onto it <laughs> just, own yeah, that just, shit like i feel like oh, that would have oh, deserved oh. applause i but what i would have done if i had like decided like i'm gonna wear this cloak i would have like worn it Sat there for like three minutes, got really anxious about sitting there as dressed as an elf, and then took it off. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been even worse. So, just yeah, seems, seems more uncomfortable than anything. Like, who wears a cloak to the movie theater? You know, I have worn in your ass? a cloak to uh, a movie theater. <laughs> a I have worn many a cloak. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get there. Maybe Not for it. any of these films. No. So, a little information about the two towers. We'll talk more about the trailer. So, released on December 18th, 2002. A budget of $94 million, an adjusted lifetime gross, so this is uh, adjusted for inflation here, of $948 million, the number 57 movie of all time. Number six grossing movie in 2002, because it came out so late. So mm-hmm. the top three that year were Spider-Man, the first Tobey Maguire one, mm-hmm. episode two, Attack of the Clones. Is that episode? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, geez, boy. It's sad that I'm Can't confirm. losing my mind. Uh, and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. It did also come in in number 16 in 2003. So this movie made bank. It was a good a lot of nerd money. year in 2002. Yeah. 2002 was a great nerd year. Yes, yeah, uh, that Spider-Man movie was one we almost talked about today. But c'est la vie. The trailer to me is sort of weird. <laughs> it, it feels like it goes on. It's narrated by Cate Blanchett, who plays Galadriel. Gladrail. A character who, in the big scheme of things, really not that important a character in the movies. No. Like, they hired her so she could do cool voiceovers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that that elf could have been played by anybody. They had Agent Smith right there. He was the head elf. right there. He was right (laughs) there, you know? (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite things, uh, this is from Fellowship of the Ring, is uh, Frodo gets stabbed, and they have to race him to... Oh, what's his name? Elrond's kingdom. So they can heal him. And he passes out and all of a sudden he's waking up and there's a bunch of faces and images. And all of a sudden it's just Hugo Weaving's face, just his massive (laughs) face (laughs) filling 90% of the screen. It just cracks me up every time. But that's the Fellowship of the Ring, the two towers. The two towers. Trailers are made to appeal to the lowest common denominator. And I don't say that in a snobbish way. I say that in a, like, these movies are based off of a beloved series of books that, to be fair, are fucking dense in the way that they're just really long and there's lots of songs. But there's a couple of things in the trailer that that I liked because they have to call that out. So you get this. Between the two towers, Barador. Ah, see the two towers. The two towers. That's that's why they call it that because there are two towers. You see, to be for the people who would be like, I don't know, like it's Lord of the Rings, but I don't know what this fucking title means. You got to tell me, <laughs> tell me what the two towers means. But then the end of the trailer, which is a cool shot, 
is it's like Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas and they're in a field and then all of a fucking sudden Gandalf shows up and he had died in the last movie and he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm here now. And you're like, oh, f- oh fuck. But, you, you know, if you'd read the books, which again, not sounds snobbish, you knew that. So it's not like this amazing reveal. You're like, yeah, Gandalf's coming back. Of course he is. You know, if, if the job of the trailer is to appeal to the people that may have not read the books or maybe you know, enjoy the first movie. You want to see the second, I guess. Why do you make that reveal? Like, why do you spoil it? Why, That's why, a good why question. that spoiler? Yeah. Is like the idea that Gandalf's coming back, really going to draw more people in. Is that going to yeah. put more butts in seats? Do you think so? So he did win an Oscar for the first film. When I <sighs> winning an Oscar. was a kid, I'm make, the listener won't see it. I'm making a jack off motion. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your Oscar. I didn't read the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a kid because I had started with The Hobbit. Do you like rhyming that, songs that go on for 40 pages? That first song, right? <laughs> Every time I picked up the book, I couldn't get through the first song without falling asleep. I also chronically had insomnia as a kid, so anything that went on for too long and I couldn't follow, I would just pass the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I really liked The Hobbit. Yeah. Um but because I didn't, I wasn't super familiar with the stories. Like I had a general sense just from like talking to people and like leafing through the books, but never really reading them start to finish because again, fell asleep. I got really excited with the reveal of like, oh, I'm so relieved that he didn't actually die. That's great. Okay. Maybe he's going to be an asshole to the hobbits again. That'll be fun because I feel like that's kind of what he does a lot in the first movie. He's like, we're all friends, except that we're not really friends. He's not as benevolent as I wanted him to be. Mm. How's that? <laughs> I want him to be nicer. side to him. He yeah, has to. He's, he's, he's a great wizard. He has to pr- protect the Middle Earth. Yeah. He's, We're he's, not here for a character study. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> when I was... So here I am, like I'm a junior in high school and I get really excited about like, okay, I liked the first movie. It brought me back to the books. So I finally got to watch the, the movies and like I enjoyed the books, which was a change for me because up until that point, I was kind of mad at them. <laughs> And so, like, God oh. damn it, books. It's like, oh, he survived. Okay. Like, maybe we're going to go on Fuck. with this. And it was, I like, that was actually a draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it because he had won an Oscar? No. Because. You populist fuck. I'm doing the, I'm doing the, the jack off <laughs> hand signal now. Okay. That Ben did before. Chill, that's disgusting. You're welcome. God. I remember, so I had gone with a group of friends to see the first one. And then we went together to see the second one because we all saw the trailer and got like stoked about it. That's and, why you saw it? And then my friend went, you know, it's weird, guys. When this series finishes, we'll all be in college. And you want to know when the last time I talked to her was? That night. That, that conversation. Oh, man. It, it raises an interesting question. And we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. But as I was going through all these trailers, obviously the idea is to entice you to go see the movie. But so many movies now, like think about the Marvel movies, right? Most people are going to go see those without seeing a trailer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what is even the point of trailers these days? But then for both the movies I saw over this last month, I saw a trailer for a movie I had never heard of, but now I'm really interested in. It's Brad Pitt. I'm sure it's based off of a comic book or something, but it's Brad Pitt as an assassin or a hitman. And he's on a bullet train in Japan. And there's all these wacky personalities. So like it Aaron, looks great. Aaron Taylor Johnson's in it and Bad Bunny's in it. And it looks awesome. And I had never heard of this movie. And I thought, okay, there is still a place for these in this world. Indeed. The sad, cynical world. Uh, before we leave Two Towers here, the trailer, of course, has some of that awesome Lord of the Rings score. And I, I got a little, little hit. Yeah. 
yeah, it's good. And there's swords and stuff. I was it's fucking say, the great. The swords are the more important part there. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's got like cool fantasy characters saying cool fantasy things. Yeah. yeah. And my axe. Yeah. And like <laughs> my bow. Ride out and meet them. It's oh, it's awesome. They're good movies. I love it. The, good. the Hobbit, not so much. And they no. do they do include those songs. I didn't somehow. see the Hobbit. Someday. Someday. <laughs> you know, set yourself aside 10 hours. You could just get through the whole epic. 10 hours <laughs> for a 100-page book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Shailen, it's up to you. You I, made some interesting choices. I would love to see what you want to talk about here. So, two towers, right? <laughs> yes. It's yeah. it's fine for a trailer. It's a great movie. We're going to go to The Giver, which is a great trailer for a uh, shitty movie. Are you sure it was a great trailer? <laughs> it's pretty. Okay. It was the movie. The, yep. The so trailer here's, was the movie. <laughs> for for our listeners, The Giver, Lois Lowry book, brilliant book, excellently done, translated into a movie many, many years later. I was so excited when they announced, we're going to make The Giver into a movie because the book itself lends itself to cinema because it has this transition from black and white to color, right? We're doing the Wizard of Oz, but like modern technology. It's going to be awesome. And then they're like, oh, it's Jeff Bridges. It's going to be cool. And you're watching. And then they put in all these extra characters that aren't supposed to be there. And you're like, oh, but it's so pretty. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a chance that this could be good. And then all of a sudden, they take this movie or this book that's a commentary on like communism and humanity. And horniness. And horniness. Mm -hmm. And they turn it into a war film in the trailer. And I was like, that can't be it. I don't believe you, trailer. Saving Private Giver? Huh? Are you kidding me? And so I was so worked up about this idea. The bridge over the Giver Kwai? (laughs) (laughs) So my friend got a ticket to see like the sneak preview before the opening. Uh-huh. And he was like, Shaylin, you take my ticket because you have feelings about this and it was free. I don't, I don't really want to see it. And I got so excited and I was like, there's no way that trailer's right. I don't believe it. It's very lovely to look at. The music is fun. And it was the biggest letdown possibly of my entire life. Wow. What is this full metal giver? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many cool special effects that were wasted. What year was what? this? Did this film come out? Oh, Dave, I'm so glad you asked. I've got I've got a whole bunch of numbers yeah, to read. Off tell us all the facts. numbers. Ben. So a little bit about the Giver movie. Came out on August 5th, 2014. Budget of 25 million dollars. So pretty modest budget for for 2014. Total gross of 45 million. So profitable. Yeah, profitable. It was the 75th highest grossing movie of 2014. <laughs> Interestingly, okay. It did a little bit better than movies like Need for Speed, which was a huge flop mm-hmm. based off of the um, the video game series. Did better than the original John Wick somehow. Huh. John Wick, I feel like, exploded after the fact. But nowhere near the top movies, which were Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, which led the year at $313 million. And then you had Winter Soldier and the Lego movie, both at like 260 It was never going to reach those heights, but just... To put that ass right in your face. But in terms of like yeah. quality literature, Mockingjay oh. should have been like way lower. Can I, can I tell my Giver story real quick? Please. I don't, I don't know when this will ever come up again. So I read The Giver as like a younger kid and they talk about the stirrings there. And like, <laughs> I don't think, 
I don't think I was a boy. I've, I've never read it, so I don't okay. know. You've so, never read The Giver? Okay, okay. No. I'm going to, folks, spoiler alert for like a really inconsequential part of The Giver. So they take these pills, right? They're in this post-apocalyptic society, and they take these pills that repress their feelings and their emotions and stuff. But they talk about these characters having stirrings. And you know what stirrings is? Puberty. He's getting, getting fucking horny. So like yeah. he's getting horny for his friend, but he has to take the pill and then he stops taking them and he's like, oh, yeah, she's buxom. Um, so the first time I read it, I didn't understand what stirrings meant. And then I, <laughs> I read it probably like freshman year of high school. And I was like, oh, man, this book has such a new meaning for me. <laughs> he, he stops taking the pill and he's like, wow, I'd like to give her something. He stops taking the pill and he gets a boner. Huh? Yeah, it's like the yeah. anti-Viagra. It's yeah. true. Yeah. So, okay. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges era of his career like i would say gosh like oh five or oh six to to now mm-hmm. peaks and valleys very mm-hmm. high very low <laughs> yeah very much so he was a very poor villain in iron man as obadiah stone just, just. <laughs> he was just jeff bridges that's what he was <laughs> he was like if the quaker oats logo was a bad guy <laughs> just or like the the guy that you know the the narrator for smucker's jam was the bad guy in iron man that's what it sounded like to me and then i think i think he won an oscar for crazy heart around then and then he was <laughs> he just pops up in this in this film where he's supposed to be this like very you know highly intelligent kind of rebellious person and it's just him just Jeff Bridges doing his Jeff Bridges thing, just kind of like I'm Jeff Bridges, being kind, just being kind of lazy. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Yeah. And it's it's so far the opposite of the book character. But I was like, you know what though? Like it's Jeff Bridges. Well, like it's on, bound to on. be good. And I how would you read know? the book? And I knew that. Well, how would you know who Jeff Bridges is playing in the movie? He's he's. He, oh, do you have a clip then? I. Wow. Oh, thank God. Who are you? The Giver. <laughs> <laughs> the Giver. God damn it. Oh, man. It's, it's so good. The more we watch these trailers, the more these, these moments pop out. Uh, who are you? I'm the titular person. The Giver. Oh, come on, man. Um, but like, <laughs> as soon as he appeared on the screen, I was like, Jeff Bridges has been woefully miscast, and I don't even know what this book is about. Yeah. Like, I don't know what this movie is about. Like, I can tell I you. I know he doesn't belong. The book <laughs> is not about what that movie trailer is about, and it's, he, it's even less like what the mm. movie is. You, it's This trailer suffer, suffers from a few things. And I will, I'll name them one, two, three. One, I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book. And after seeing that trailer, I feel like I probably saw most of the movie. Most, of the, most of the story beats. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know... It's not as egregious as Disney creating like fake shots for their trailers, but it's right up there. Like that's not what the point of a trailer, right? Mm -hmm. Number two, it's really weirdly toned. Mm -hmm. It just cuts back and forth between these chase sequences and then he's getting knowledge and then you're seeing a kid and then his dad's killing kids with needles. It's just a lot going on in this trailer. The third, maybe the most striking, and I should have looked up the name of the song and the composer. I didn't do it. But everybody knows it. You'll hear it. It's like da na 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 na. That song's from Requ- Requiem for a Dream. That song was also in those fake Lord of the. Rings I'm sure trailers. it was. Yeah, and that song yeah. shows up everywhere. I, but, I would call. I, I call it. I don't know what the name of it is. I call it the battle song because it always feels like there's a battle going on. Well, I think I think the composer's name is Clint Mansell. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. And but anytime I hear that song, 
because I'm not a pervert. I think of the ass to ass scene. <laughs> 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 for a dream. So to have it playing for this, you know, uh, teenager movie, feel a little adult weird to me. Movie, yeah. Because like yeah. have your own scores of I don't know. It's yeah, just, it's <laughs> I'm the giver. Here's a double sided dildo. <laughs> it's not a it's not a like a pop song that you play plays. It's it's a score. I don't know. The movie was bad based on really good material. The trailer, like I said, I think it's really pretty to look at because it's like, oh, it's black and white and then they show the color and there's like the transition shots and it's it's lovely until you think about it for like let more than a second. Do you know what movie did that black and white to color thing really successfully? What? A, a, a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. I would actually oh, Pleasantville. Really, Pleasantville, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, yes. Does a really lovely job with that. And also that's a much better movie. Oh, just saying. Oh, we should have talked about Pleasantville. Neither here nor there. Any last thoughts on The Giver? <laughs> Other than I'm astonished that we're talking about The Giver. Because, movie. all right, your <laughs> instruction was... We, we might be literally the only podcast in history that's ever talked about The Giver movie. <laughs> you <laughs> asked... with the movie? Because it's a <laughs> memorable trailer for me no, because it hits so many emotions. I, and also, again, like... It's not a bad trailer in the sense that, like, putting it together, except that it tells you the entire no, movie. I know, I know. And, and I don't want, I don't want you to get like psychoanalysis. Like, I'm not making fun of you, but you and Dave sent me the emails with your trailers, and I was looking through, <laughs> and I was like, okay, these make sense. And I got to the giver, and I just went, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? I considered sending. Well, um, you're welcome. Yeah one one I sent was for a rate a reason. Similar to Shalen's. It was it wasn't because it was a favorite movie or anything like that. It just really liked the the trailers. There's an art to to trailers. And before we go on your your pick, Ben, there's like different types of trailers, right? There's like the kind that are just like sort of abstract, like it's just like the title and maybe some like sound playing or Mm -hmm. some music, or you know, some have like the whole movie. It'll be like a clip of a movie cut. And then you're just like, you're left wondering what it is. Like, do you have like a favorite type of trailer? Like one that like always works on you? Like something that always gets you like your butt into that seat? I have a really embarrassing tri- type. Okay. Pixar always does this thing where they're like, here's something that's nice and it looks really cool because it's Pixar. And now here's a really strong emotion that's going to make you cry. Come see our movie. And every single time I'm like, oh, it's true. oh, okay, I'll come see your movie. And it literally works every single time. Like even the, the Buzz Lightyear trailer, I, it was like. Are you crying at the Buzz Lightyear trailer? I felt this like a swell so of emotion where he's like, he like starts walking out and there's like the strong music and he's going to save them. Get o- they're they're going to get off that planet. Yeah, and I'm they're just gonna, like. They're going to get off. All right. He is a starman. Exactly. And like they start playing the David Bowie music and I'm just like, yes, I feel emotions. I don't do that much. I want to do. I want to see this movie and feel things. I told you it's embarrassing. For me, it's that the ones that always get me, if the movie is good, if the clip they sh- use is good, like if they play, it doesn't have to be like the whole clip. It can be like something edited down. Generally, you find this in like thrillers or horror movies where it's like, you don't know who the characters are. You don't know what they're doing or the context, but you can tell right away they're in like a tense or scary situation. And then the clip ends and the the title shows up. I'm trying to think of an example of that, but like, it's usually like, you know, if it's a home invasion film or something, it's, it's, you know, the, the main, the protagonist is like hiding behind a car- uh, mm-hmm. behind a wall, breathing heavy. And then you see 
the shadow of the antagonist in the background like go by and then the the clip ends and the trailer's over that always always gets me i always fall for that sometimes eh, movies are hit or miss it's like 50 50 chance it'll be good but i'm I'm gonna watch that movie if if i see the trailer like that yeah for me and this will be my next pick here you won't see a ton of these now it's the trailers that actually pretty much don't show any footage from the movie Mm. yeah that they're very clearly made early in the process so you might see the star you'll get some voiceover we'll talk about in a sec here but something like the original superman right like you'll believe a man can fly and they're not showing like christopher reese flying all over the place but it's just meant to be this very kind of concise thing or back to the future one where they show the car kind of but it's not all like if you ever watch the back to the future one trailer that delorean's not all time machined out it's mostly just a delorean and they mm. show marty mcfly in gear that's kind of like what he wears in the movie but not exactly and he's just like oh far out so i i like those ones that they build anticipation they almost feel more like a proof of concept than anything else yeah yeah friday the 13th the first one yeah does it really well like one two three four etc etc it's 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 good like and it's and that just the countdown or the count up lends itself well to like building tension that Mm -hmm. you didn't even know you know, you don't even know what the movie's about. And you're all like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And so it's for that reason that I, I chose this one here. And this is for a movie we've we've talked about at length tonight. So maybe we won't spend a ton of time on this. But this is uh, Jurassic Park. And there are a ton of Jurassic Park trailers at this point. There are, of course, ones that, you know, they show the big sign and the swooping helicopter shots and things like that. This one is much, much simpler. What you have is a guy who definitely is not supposed to sound like Rod Serling. I'll get to him in a minute. And basically what you're seeing is stuff that you don't see in the movie anywhere. It's a bunch of dudes. They're digging out amber. They put a needle in and they get the blood out. So it kind of looks like that part where they're doing the tour, but it's it's not the same footage. Dino DNA. And then you see the Jurassic Park logo and it's just this, you know, this uh, narration underneath. And it's short and it's simple and you don't see dinosaurs and you don't see ian malcolm or any of that it's just you know it's guys digging into rocks and it's really compelling this made me want to see the movie yeah and and it's for the reasons that you say like it's that tasty little like ooh, this could be about this thing and ooh, like yeah ooh, it's tasty it's not like it doesn't tell you everything it's not forcing you to to be excited about it it's just like hey kid we think mm-hmm. you like this not as tasty as that Jeff Bridges, but what can you do? Um, <laughs> Jurassic Park, it's hard to quantify just how big that was, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was one of those movies where the book rights had been sold years and years before, and there was such a buildup to this fucking movie that I guess they could have put out anything and it would have been effective, but I think that this one works. But that movie like reinvented the summer blockbuster like Spielberg yep. had set it with Jaws and then there were great movies in between that obviously and like big like big money makers in the box office but like this one came and like there was this this build up around not only the movie but how the movie was made yeah like, I remember that being a huge part of it too like we have these computers and these computer animated models that are being like 
not uh, spliced together is the wrong word, but like combined with like actual puppets mm-hmm. and, and everything, like this huge Stan Winston effects are being done. Like it was amazing just to witness it unfold and then read about it after the fact, like after reading it, like, oh, how did they do that whole scene with the T-Rex bursting through the, the giant tree that had fallen down? Like it was, it's so fucking cool and it's still cool. It still looks great. Yeah. I was going to say the thing about Jurassic Park is that the reason or a lot of a lot of the reason that it still resonates with me is because it holds up, right? Like right. there are so many movies and one of them is on our list, one of these trailers where like there's special effects and it's like, "Oh man, special effects are cool." And then 5 years later it's like, "Oh my god, people thought this was neat." But what? I feel like watching Jurassic Park now, I still have like What is this, The Thin Red Giver? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you still know that in certain scenes they're looking at a tennis ball or they used, you know, really loud. That you're, of course, talking about Wimbledon. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm talking about Jurassic Park, Ben. You know that they got, like, the puddles to move a certain way using sound to, like, mm-hmm. make the water ripple. But mm-hmm. when you're watching the movie, that's not what your brain is telling you. Like, it's one of the few mov- movies for me that, like, suspension of disbelief is still possible. And I think that's part of the reason why I like the trailer too, is because it's not like, look at this giant ass dinosaur doing things. It's yeah, like, yeah. oh, like there's you, intrigue. You, you saw how the movie was made. You saw how the clothes were made, and yet you still can't see the seams mm-hmm. like, or you like feel them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So some some Jurassic Park numbers here came out in uh, June of 1993. Sixty five million dollar budget, three hundred fifty seven million domestic, nice. six hundred twenty one million dollars international for a gross of nine hundred seventy eight million dollars. Number one movie that year by double. Like nothing else was even in the stratosphere, right? So uh, numbers two and three were The Fugitive and The Firm. Both combined would not have made what Jurassic Park did, which is pretty crazy. Jurassic. Jurassic. (laughs) Jurassic. Rounding out the top five. Jurassic. Sleepless in Seattle and Mrs. Doubtfire. So kind of a weird year for movies, 93. 93 was a great year for movies? In terms of all time. Number 31 all time. Sitting right above Dark Knight Rises, mm. a fine film, and right below Transformers Age of Extinction. Really? Huh. <laughs> kind of weird. Huh. Did people like those movies? No. That's so confusing. Well, I mean, they must have because they made billions of dollars. Yeah. I think, um, I th- is that global or just domestic? Global. So, it, so uh, for context, too, I got all these numbers mostly from Box Office Mojo, and sometimes their numbers are a little obtuse. Some of the older movies only gives you domestic. Some of them gives you worldwide. Sometimes it gives you adjusted. So I, I did the best I could. Yeah, I'm just yeah. one man. But Transformers performed really well globally. Oh, yeah. Almost all of those movies did. So, um, so just quickly on this trailer, I mentioned you know it doesn't show much of the movie, and I suspect it it's because it was made really ridiculously early in the production process. So Jurassic Park, another iconic John Williams score, but it's nowhere in this trailer at all. Nothing even remotely like yeah. it. You also get this narrator. The first discovery was made in the spring of 1990. From a mine in South America came a piece of amber. Definitely not Rod Serling. Definitely not what that guy's going for. No. For sure, trying to channel something new and different. No mystery, no intrigue. It's not even like the trailer guy voice. It's not like, in a world. It's, I don't know, he's just kind of dull. 
I was reading about, um, so there's two trailer guys. There's <laughs> Don LaFontaine. Yes. He's the in the world he's guy. In and the world. Another guy. Yeah. And then there's another guy called Hal Douglas. And he's like the <laughs> one that they use for like family films. Like, sure. Hallie D. Meet Dennis the Menace. <laughs> you know, it's a kind of a lighter movie trailer voice guy. Um, so those two are like the big ones that we we grew up on. They made a movie that was on Netflix called In a World. And it was about like the daughter of the guy. Yes. Hmm. It was unwatchable. <laughs> of of La Fontaine? Yeah. It wasn't the movie La Fontaine about the runner La Fontaine? No. Or the hockey player Pat La Fontaine? No. Oh, pre La Fontaine? <laughs> I tried so hard to watch that movie and engage with it. And I literally, like, it, it took six false starts. And then I was like, you know what? Sometimes things aren't meant for you, Shaylin. It's okay to turn it off and watch Jurassic Park again. And that's what I did. And that's what you did. Dave, back to you. We're going to go with the, the, the Dark Knight. Mm. Yes. 2008. Mm. I think this trailer is. Um, so there were two trailers. I find this one to be better. You know, it starts off with the Joker and he's got like a monologue and he's just talking to. It turns out it's from the interrogation scene mm-hmm. in the in the Dark Knight, but it is just a just what a good use of a line to start off. But it, it is is it's so good, and the fervor around this movie in the buildup in the viral marketing, like it was this was like the gold standard of viral marketing, building buzz around a movie, mm-hmm. and also like making the trailer like something you had to earn. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, it was so good. Make, no, make me beg for that trailer. <laughs> exactly. No other movie has topped that for me. There's a, yeah. I know there was like the Riddler's website for the latest, the Batman movie, but like n- nothing, nothing tops well, what, the, what they did for the dark Knight. I feel like with that movie, and I, I do have a couple of the Joker lines, which we'll get to as well as one other one that makes me laugh. But um, I feel like the dark Knight maybe, holds a special space for our generation. I feel like that was for me, the peak of me care. Like I, I still like the behind the scenes stories, like the stuff with the fast and furious franchise. Ooh, it's always so rich and juicy, but, um, <laughs> but this, like I was interested in like, you know, you'd see like leaks of the footage from they were shooting in Chicago, and you're like, "Oh man, what's that going to be with the fucking Batman yeah, movie?" It, it's, oh, you saw Batman. them like filming in a parking garage, and then like you could see like trucks on like like closing down Chicago's like lower whacker. Mm. Mount the cub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so again, a movie that met the hype. I think like when Batman Begins came out, I was a little late in non comics at the time, and then I saw Batman Begins. And loved it and saw it like four or five times in the theater, which again, like is unfathomable to me now. But so the movie just, it built this unprecedented level of hype. And then the initial trailer for Dark Knight played, I remember this vividly, in front of the Simpsons movie. Yeah. The, like a year before it came out. And I think it was just that, like from that interrogation scene and they showed the Batman logo. So yeah. you didn't see the Joker for like months after that. And then this trailer was the more full-fledged ones. And you get a surprising amount of, of good Joker moments. Like that movie is full of them, obviously, but like a lot of the iconic lines from that movie, from the Joker are in this trailer. Yeah. This movie knew exactly what it was doing with the villain. Like they were like, Oh, this is, this is our star here. Mm -hmm. It's not Batman. I would like to just pause 
with two things <laughs> no, real quick here. Nobody pauses. Number one. Always forward. Never I'm gonna backwards. I'm gonna pour one out for Heath Ledger. R.I.P. Sure. There was a day when we talked about, uh, uh, like, collectively as friends, like, who's the best actor of our generation? And Dave said, might be Heath Ledger. And I was like, ooh, he's very attractive. And Ben was like, that's eh, kind of silly. And our other friend was just like, hey, what is he hey, even Ben I didn't in? say that. I was like, I think he's an underappreciated gem. You didn't say that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, so I'm just, credit very, where credit is I, I due. I actually recorded it. It's still on my phone. Um, <laughs> but Heath Ledger... As I recall, I nominated uh, Devin Sawa. <laughs> that, that, that is accurate. <laughs> he plays the Joker so well that he's unrecognizable as himself, which obviously like that kind of contributed to his death. But um, it made the trailer that no. good too. He lost himself, and that's fine. Uh, but like the use of his lines in the trailer pulls you into it. Sure. Right? Then you're just like, who is this mysterious fellow? I would like to know more about him. Would you like to hear a couple examples? I would love to hear some examples. Well, here's a couple. You've changed things. Forever. That's pretty good. Here's another. Let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> They also show uh, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when um, they're, oh boy, it's just that, that elaborate chase scene where Batman is chasing them on the motorcycle and like Joker's in the truck and they're they're going through the city and Harvey Dent's in the prisoner van. Now, actually, it's a really fun scene. There is a spectacular breakdown of that scene from a film editor about why that scene is fucking horribly shot and put together. But that's that's another thing. Entirely. Ooh, I want to watch that. It, it, fun watch. Um, it's Batman. Like he's going towards Joker and he's like hit me and he's he's screaming. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Sounds that's like it's, I sound like a dipshit when I'm saying it, but it's no, pretty good. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. This is, is really awesome. It's a good scene. <laughs> this movie, though, I I still talk about it. Like I still reference it. Like same. That was. God, what was that? 2008. 14 years ago? Mm-hmm. Almost. Is that, is that right? Wow, math yeah. is depressing. The, yeah. But like, I like it still makes me feel like an eight-year-old that saw a movie and is describing it to his parents. And then Batman, he jumps off the building, and then there's a guy, and he says, one large pot. And um, and then there's like these it's dogs. It, it's one it big pot. It's one big pot, One big pot. And that trailer, that trailer just is the perfect perfect type builder sure yeah it hits so it has the music it has the good lines it has the right cuts like because it shows you exactly enough without going overboard and being like oh the oh they show um so there's still surprise when you see the movie (laughs) yeah um Uh and like this is a movie that so when our son was born like there were certain things that i was like oh I want to teach him about these things. I want to teach him about those things. And as he's getting bigger, he asks us, I don't know, 700 times a day, when can I watch this movie? When can I watch that movie? And this is a movie that I'm legitimately like, I cannot wait until he's old enough to be able to handle watching this movie. And this is like, he's going to have to start with the trailers because you yeah, have to get the buildup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've done the Batman voice enough that he gets it. So a few a few uh, a few facts here before I, I play the funny line. Please came out July eighteenth, two thousand eight. Budget of one hundred eighty five million. Adjusted lifetime gross one point oh oh six billion dollars. And it's um, deserved. Top film of two thousand eight. Beat out Iron Man by a pretty significant margin, which is I mean funny thinking about numbers the uh, MCU movies pull now. <laughs> Number three movie that year, 
Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh my God, those were the same year. <laughs> the same year. I believe another movie we, we might have seen on opening day. Yes, but, uh, it is what it is. Number forty-nine movie of all time. Huh. One of the actors that we haven't talked much about here is Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon. And, <laughs> you know, he doesn't always keep that English accent away, but there's a scene where the Joker's in prison and, you know. Nothing in his pockets but knives and lint. Evening, Commissioner. But knives and lint. I don't know why. It's <laughs> the way he says it makes pockets. Nothing in his pockets. Nothing in his pockets. His pockets. But um, yeah, yeah, great movie, great trailer, really good stuff. I think I saw that. I saw that three times. Oh yeah, I think I might have seen it more, and I probably yeah. own it in like four different formats. Yeah. for it's one of the discs I still keep around because I'm a jerk like that. So, so where's my Criterion edition, by the way? We Just have. Um, I had a tradition that I started when I was in high school with my sister called Chick Flick for Christmas, where every year on Christmas night. You've had an exciting day. It's the end of the season. It's the end of the holiday. And it's like, well, I don't feel like cleaning the kitchen. Let's go see a movie together. And in 2008, I was like, chick flick. Women be cleaning. Women be cleaning. (laughs) In 2008, she texted me and was like, what's our movie this year? And I was like, oh, I got it covered. Meet me at like whatever at the theater. And um, yeah, I made I made everyone for chick flick watch Dark Knight (laughs) because that's a good chick flick choice. Because it was a thousand percent a great movie, and it was probably the fourth time I saw it in the theater, and I didn't care. I was like, this is better than anything else that's going to be out right now. We're just going to go see I, this movie. I mean, it's a rom-com. I mean, there's a love triangle between Maggie Gyllenhaal and, you know, Harvey Dent and Christian Bale. All of the dudes, all of them dreamy. Every single one. Michael Caine. Even Michael Caine. Absolutely. Morgan Freeman. An apricot. <laughs> there's a line in the trailer where he what would you have me do alfred and he goes endure <laughs> <laughs> oh it kills me it's got its moments it's, it's got great its moments. so let's do another here i don't know that we'll have time for more after that but we'll see we'll see how the the night goes all right so you know you get the trailer that shows you everything the giver the whole movie and then you have the trailer that shows you almost nothing alien Let's talk about it. Okay. This is, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I almost picked this one. This is one of those things where people quote the last line that you see, right? It's on the poster. This didn't give anything away about what the actual movie's about. It's just like, alien, here's an egg, and like there's a lot of blackness and darkness, and in space, no one can hear you scream. Mm-hmm. The sound design of the trailer is crazy. It's just like this weird, like, siren. Uh huh. Like, yeah, I do have the like, siren it's just, here, it's uh, which they bring back later. Yeah, this is a trailer that's all atmosphere. So basically, what you get is you get uh, a variation of the trailer guy voice, and he's kind of talking in very low, hushed tones. And you see this alien egg, and then it kind of cracks open, and there's green light inside. And that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. it's like a minute 10. Uh, so, you know, you're not seeing the Nostromo. You're not seeing Sigourney or, you know, weird androids or any of that shit. You're just getting like this low rumble, the egg and, and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
So that noise ends up being pretty iconic within the Alien franchise. If you listen to or watch the uh, the Prometheus trailer, that noise is all over it. Yeah, it, they cut that into it with like this really cool cool music. That trail, the, the Prometheus trailer is a good example. <laughs> I was going to say another one I almost trailer. picked up. Yeah, great yeah. trailer, yeah. bad, bad, bad movie. Um, anyway, so I grew up in the household of an audiophile, and we had excellent speakers. I was so freaking spoiled and I didn't realize it until I was older. Silver spoon chilling, they called you. No, like it was all hard worked for whatever. But um, (laughs) this particular blue collar chilling, they called this trailer uses uses the audio Uh as a tool beyond. It's like you don't just hear like, oh, it's a score and it makes you feel things because there's like a swell and and like a drop. It gives you like a feeling because it literally shakes your house if you're listening to it the right way. And if you're in the movie theater, like if you were at the the big theater at Jordan's, you'd, it'd be in the butt kicker, right? Like What's that? The butt kicker. The butt kicker. That's right. Butt kickers. Um, <laughs> if you're not in New England, that's not going to make any sense to you. That's not going to make any sense to you. And that's okay. Sorry. So it has that deep bass note that's just going dunk, 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 dunk. So like you have that tension. They call it the brown note. That's not exactly the right note. <laughs> okay, then. okay. Um, but then you have the high tone that's giving you like that, oh, like something's hitting in my head, like higher in my ear. What about the mids? Are there mids? There's not much for mids. It's I just know, the guy narrating. The and that's like, that's unnatural in like the human listening spectrum, right? Because talking is in the middle. We should play the brown note right now and just have... <laughs> All our listeners, well, both of them, uh, shit their pants. Oh, boy. You guys will have to listen to see. I just had an idea for what I'm going to plug in. And let's just say it's a big fart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rumbly fart. And it's mine. But there's so much tension to it. That's why yeah. I like this trailer. It's gravitas. Yeah. This is one of those types of trailers where it's like mixes with Ben's Jurassic Park Mixes with the one that's like this tension builder. You have no idea. Like you're just, it's weird because it's like the trailer makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. But it's also like, holy shit, I got to see this movie. Exactly. It's a weird phenomenon. Similar to that is a trailer I almost picked too is uh, the Shining trailer. So there's just the shot of the elevator doors and it's the Shining scrolling up, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, et cetera. And then the credits keep going. It's much like the movie, it's uncomfortable how long it is just for what they're showing. And then all of a sudden the blood just like flows out of the elevator shaft. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, it's so good. Got me real hard. <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> when I was picking trailers, I had this moment where I was like, I wonder if when they made yeah. this trailer, uh-huh. they actually had a script. Or if they just had like I a think concept. they did because I th- that score is there there and that's usually you know decently far along into it so yeah. I don't know I don't know the release dates or anything but that Prometheus movie man oh, they were like oh they're the dude in the chair they're gonna tell the story anyway fuck that movie sorry um, <laughs> so, some alien facts for you came out on May twenty fifth nineteen seventy nine a real Memorial Day weekend kind of film you know what I mean Amen a budget of eleven million dollars. Total gross, $79 million. Number five movie of 1979, which I guess makes sense Number for five? Like an atmospheric sci-fi horror movie. Number one that year was Superman, okay. which was the highest grossing movie despite coming out in the middle of December. Hmm. Hmm. Amityville Horror, 
Okay. Not the Ryan Reynolds one. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, Rocky two. And number four here, also open to December, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Another movie that I almost grabbed the trailer for. Huh. For being so fucking weird and, and disparate. The human adventure <laughs> is just beginning. <laughs> A high-minded film. And their hair. All of them, their hair. Oh, boy. Talk about Star Trek another day. Should this just be a movie podcast now? Should we just talk about movies? I mean, we could. We could certainly transition. the well run dry on cartoons? No. It has now, yes. Okay. This is a movie show now. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) we all all grab more of these. I mean, we we could talk about these all day. But, um, yeah. Yeah, movie trailers are cool. Amen. (laughs) I I still get excited for them. Yeah. they're, They're different now. Like... And again, we talked about this earlier, but like people break them down. They're expected. They're expected to show a certain amount of stuff from the film. Like I'm thinking of like Marvel movies uh, in this case, like, you know, when they don't come out on time now, people figure that the movie is in mm-hmm. dire straits, like the production of the movie is in dire straits. So like yeah, there's a whole weird culture Where around it. Where is my short movie? <laughs> 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 trailers on time <laughs> ads for free <laughs> and I With want my internet trailer <laughs> lots of special effects and dialogue I want to see a cameo trailer. it's got a voiceover <laughs> Bob Dylan it's the voice of the dire straits <laughs> I mean not too far off so we've talked about some of history's most beloved films and also 2014's The Giver tonight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's another level of film that we haven't talked about, and that is the box office bomb. Ooh. And box office bombs just fascinate the hell out of me. There's so many big budget movies that just disappear off the face of the earth. And I think about why all the time and We're going to discuss a few of those. Uh, So tonight's game is called (laughs) An Unbearable Waste of Money and Talent. Yes. So what I have done, and you guys are going to have to make a decision up front here in a minute, is I've gone through and grabbed some of the biggest box office bombs of all time. And I'm going to give you some information about the movies. And then you guys are both going to have to guess how much money it lost. Okay. And then there's a bonus round we'll get to in a second. So let me ask you this. Do you want to guess in 2022 dollars? Or do you want to guess in dollars relative to the date of the movie release? Because I have both sets in front of me. You tell me. We got to be consistent, though. Numbers are meaningless. Dave can pick. I would say the figure when it came out. So when the movie was released. When the movie came out. Okay, cool. And I'll give you the adjusted number, too. Uh, But I do have the production budgets, which is part of what I'll give you. All right. So in no particular order, let's let's get through it here. But we have to start with the biggest bomb of all time. John Carter. A Disney movie starring, oh boy, I can't even remember the dude's name. Tyler Keach or Kish. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> About a dude who goes to Mars. Disney, and there's a lot of Disney movies on this list, thought this was going to be like a huge franchise hit, like Pirates of the Caribbean level hit. And when it came out in 2012, it was not <laughs> at all. It's because it, it set up this movie set up what George Lucas's Star Wars became. It's got a lot of elements of those kinds of films. Mm-hmm. And it just, people had already seen those movies already. And John Carter was like, 
that the movie didn't reinvent anything. It's a well-made film. It's like a competent movie. It's just nobody wanted to see it. Now, what you guys have to keep in mind is mm-hmm. some at some points, if I might have forgotten to put down the production budget, but you got to keep in mind the marketing budget too, right? Okay. John Carter made $285 million and is still the biggest box office bomb of all time. Oh my God. 285? It made 285 worldwide. Okay. How much money did it lose? And this is going to be a closest to it gets the point. And this actually is going to be tough because there's there's a range. <laughs> we'll go for the middle. I am going to say $100 million. You think it lost $100 million? Okay. I think it lost double what it made. So what is that? Um, 285, 560. You think it lost five hundred and sixty million? No, 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 no. Sorry, I think, times lost, two is I think it lost two hundred eighty-five million. So one hundred or two eighty-five. Technically, Shailen's closer. Uh, yes. So th- there's a range here because this was all like marketing losses. So okay. the range is one thirteen to two hundred, hmm. which to put that in twenty twenty-two numbers is anywhere between one hundred and thirty-three and two hundred and thirty-six million dollars. Oh Fucking crazy. God. So Fucking crazy. The best part about all of this is they spent so much money marketing and creating this film. I have no recollection of his, of its existence. And when you brought it up, my first thought was like, Noah Wiley, Dr. Carter from ER? Did they make a movie version of that what? guy? Did he go to me? Mars? Like, it's, a, it's, it's the sci-fi spinoff of ER. <laughs> That's is, exactly what I, I was like. Did he stop being a doctor and become an astronaut? Is that what you're saying? this guy's me? name? John Giver? Now, here's the other part of the game. So, Sean, you get a point. Okay. I accept. When movies lose hundreds of millions of dollars, heads are going to be on the chopping block, right? So, what I need to know mm-hmm. is I'm not giving you names here. Okay. Did this movie kill the director's career? Yes. No. Answer is no. The Who directed di- the this director movie? of this movie is Andrew Stanton. This was his first live action movie, but he had directed Wally. Oh. And was a big Pixar writer, and he still writes for Disney movies today. He was one of the writers of Encanto. Okay, so he's so still gainfully employed and making bank with Disney. Does he direct or just write? I think he has directed as well. Okay, because those are two different Sh- skill Shailen, sets. You, you, you listen. You're going by my interpretation, and I'm not going to argue. I'm not going <laughs> to spend like 20 minutes arguing if his career is dead. No, no. I'm glad to hear that this is a person who like he branched out. He tried a new thing, and he was like, "I'm not great at this. I'm going to go back to the other thing I'm better at." But the movie is not, I've I've seen the movie, it's dull, but it's not like cheesy or poorly Mm -hmm. made. It's like, it's it's dull, but not poorly made. Uh, It's a competently made movie. The CGI doesn't age well, but like, it's not like the director's fault. Mm -hmm. I would say this was more on like, you didn't even have to make this movie. No one was (laughs) clamoring for a John Carter movie. Do you think the people were clamoring for a movie based off of the board game Battleship? Oh, no. um, I know I was. <laughs> I remember you, playing that as a kid, and it was a talking battleship, and I was like, fuck, I wish this was a movie. You were one of the few, Dave. 2012 film? Mm-hmm. Based off of the board game starring Liam Neeson and co. fighting off an alien invasion. It grossed... You've sunk my battleship. $303 million, but is still one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Which, put that fucking number in context, Right. It made $300 million and is one of the biggest bombs. Think about like the fucking ill-advised steps that it was like, all right, for Battleship to be 
a hit it needs to make almost a billion dollars like what the, who the fuck made that decision that's neither here yeah. nor there a dumb dumb it's just it, it's mind-boggling like there are movies crazy. that cost 10 million to make make 30 million dollars and are considered a success because like oh we knew this small small section of audience wanted mm-hmm. right. and we made it for them right yeah. it's and that comes down to marketing right i guess we'll talk about marketing so it made 303 million dollars what do you think it lost 85 million. Shout out to my friend Aaron who calls this movie Fight Boat. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Fight Boat. All right, 85 million is the guess. I don't know anybody remembered this movie enough to call it something else. <laughs> <laughs> we call it Fight Boat. <laughs> Fight Boat. Yeah. I'm going to guess it lost uh, $97 million. Guys are not a totally in the ballpark, but Dave is closer. 150. Wow! Which and it, so the reported production budget is two hundred and ten million, and it Holy made three hundred three, which means that the marketing budget was also something like two hundred million. That's fucking bonkers. That's crazy. I'm just trying to think of how many people could be fed with two hundred million dollars. That's so, a lot of Liam Neesons. So Dave gets the point there. Now, Dave, did this kill the director's career? Yes. Sort of a trick question because the answer is yes and no. So the director is Peter Burke who had done a bunch of things leading up to this. He still directs feature movies, but since the release of Battleship, he has made five movies. Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, Mile 22, and Spencer Confidential. Now, all of those movies have another common thread. Do you know what that common thread is? (laughs) They're all filmed in Boston. Uh, No, 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 Sharon. You're actually not super far off. (laughs) There's a pretty common thread here. I'll give you another hint. Max and all of them. He's the star of every single one of those movies. Yes, yes, (laughs) truly. So Peter Berg is like, this will be a Red Sox reference. Tim Wakefield, the knuckleballer, always had a personal catcher that he worked with. Peter Berg (laughs) is like the Doug Mirabelli to Mark (laughs) Wahlberg's Tim Wakefield. (laughs) Weird shit, you guys. I got to, no, no, no. You want to film this movie? Not. Not without my Doug Mirabelli. Get him in a helicopter. Call up Berg. He's going to come down here. And uh, and we're going to film that 9-11 movie where I stopped 9-11. So, oh boy. You want to see Twin Towers? Watch my biceps. <laughs> One, two. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Father Stu yet? That'll probably show up on this list. Although the, the budget's maybe not big enough. Here Budget, $2 million. <laughs> We're going to move into the world of comedy. Can't wait. And comedies often don't have super high budgets, but this one did. This is The Adventures of Pluto Nash, the uh, the 2002 film starring Eddie Murphy is like a Ooh. cab driver in space or something. I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. I was waiting for words that I recognize. And okay. I know Pluto and I know Nash, but those are that in that order, no. Pluto the dog and Steve Nash. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> and they went on adventures. Yeah. This is before Eddie Murphy's career renaissance, a movie that made a total of $7.1 million at the box office, which, boy, in 2002, that ain't great. That's not very good. Hmm. It had a high budget, so it's a big bomb. How much money did this lose? $10 million, Ben. Okay. How much did it make in the box office? (laughs) 7.1. This movie lost 
93 million dollars oh dave you're so close the answer is 96 million dollars oh my god the production yes. budget was a hundred million dollars what it made seven <laughs> i remember reading about this and uh. thinking how the fuck can you spend a hundred million <laughs> uh, i'm disgusted oh my god a lot of that i bet a big chunk of that was uh was eddie murphy because he was still big at that i'm time. sure it was yeah i mean this was relatively close to um no it wasn't it was like six years after nutty professor never mind <laughs> but he had like there was the clumps the clumps too i guess yeah shrek was still there yeah that's true that's um, true yeah so dave i mean you know somebody's head's gonna be on the the relative chopping block and in this case it might have been the directors maybe not it's gonna be amazing when it was real it revealed that it's uh no it was uh ang lee <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't make it you bet it was so the director of this movie it's a guy named ron underwood now previous to this he had done movies like tremors he did Mighty Joe Young, which is not a great movie, but okay. He also did City Slickers, the first huh. one. So like a, like a, a good a decent, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah. I, I make movies that people watch. After this, he directed one movie. It's called In the Mix. It's like a mob romantic comedy starring Usher and Chaz Palminteri. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. In the Mix was going to be about um, Shalyn's audiophile family. <laughs> <laughs> Blue collar Shalyn. All right. So that is a... My dad's AOL dress does include sound guy. So just saying. We're going to go a little more recent now. Okay. A movie came out in 2018. <laughs> a movie that I'm sure was based off of a book or something. But I, when I saw the trailer, I didn't know what the fuck it was. The movie's called Mortal Engines. And if you remember a movie trailer where there were cities that were being driven around and they were all shooting harpoons at each other. Is like underground and shit? Maybe. Like- I remember the computer graphics being like this. I've seen video games that look better. Than yeah. This. Yeah. So a movie trailer and promotion that had Peter Jackson's name all over it. So Peter Jackson from King Kong and Lord of the Rings and the Beatles get back. This movie, Peter Jackson's name value didn't save it. It made $83 million. I'm sorry. 83.7. Let's be exact in the box office. Huge miss. How much money did this movie lose? $200 million. Okay. $120 million. $220. Okay. You guys are both in the ballpark. Shailen, you're technically closer. It lost $175 million. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> so this movie cost, well, God, my math is terrible, $250, $250 million. It cost $250 to make. <laughs> According to Dave's math. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why, I, yeah, I mean, the yeah, big, big mess. All the promotion had Peter Jackson's name all over it. Peter Jackson wasn't the director. Was he <laughs> which the executive producer? Something I found out today. <laughs> it was one of those presents movies. This this is a trend that started Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure it happened Robert before, Rodriguez, like, yep. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino brought the movie Hero to American cinemas. And it was great. It was a good movie. And... The fact that Quentin Tarantino put his name on it helped the movie. Mm-hmm. So studios found that to be the best Band-Aid for shit. Then you get like Peter Jackson presents Mortal Engines or whatever the hell this is. Or like Eli Roth presents, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, oh my God, like this is a trend. And I, I don't know who to trust anymore. You can't trust anybody. No. If it says presents, you don't trust it. Jalen, there was a director of this movie. Okay. This person have a career still? Not in Hollywood. Not, not in a way that I can track. <laughs> Guy's name is 
Christian Rivers, and he was handpicked by Peter Jackson for this movie. He was oh. one of the, the visual effects guys on King Kong. His only future listed project is another Peter Jackson project called The Dam Busters, which has been in development since 2008. So That sounds so shitty. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out for old old Christian Rivers. That makes me think of like my mentor in college who's always like, you're going to be successful. And I'm like, that's really nice of you. That makes me so happy. But like by comparison to my classmates, uh, it was really nice for him to say that about me. <laughs> Peter Jackson has a track record of like doing passion projects like Lord of the Rings. He was obsessed. He's obsessed with J.R.R. Tolkien. And it worked out well. The Beatles get back. He's obsessed with the Beatles. That documentary worked out well for him. Mm-hmm. And then he's got... Things like this. <laughs> he's got like, a movie called The Dam Busters, which I'm sure is a going to be a garbage movie. It's been in development for produced. 15 years. I don't yeah. think it's coming out. Yeah. So, all right, we got a oh, few more boy. here. Uh, let, we can zip through these. We talked about Jurassic Park. Great movie. Michael Crichton book, of course. Yep. Hollywood jumped on the Michael Crichton bus, and by this point, they may have wished they had gotten off because we're talking about the 13th Warrior. Oh, my. 1999 film starring Antonio Banderas that's about Vikings? Benderas. This was post-Sphere, post-Congo. Post-Congo Benderas. First off, not a bomb in my heart. (laughs) It's a fun romp. Okay. He plays a... Uh, like a soldier from the Middle East that has to go to like the Vikings, uh, the, the the Northerners. Uh, for, I think he's acting as an emissary, and then he like joins their band to like stop these things called um, they're like the Eaters of the Dead, which is the book it's based. Which is the book's title, yeah, yeah. So, Dave, you seem to enjoy this movie. I mean, I did, yes, mm-hmm. as a as a thirteen year old boy or whatever. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you this: it made sixty one point seven million dollars in the box office. What kind of loss did that represent to the studio? Can you tell us the year? 1999. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a $50 million loss. Okay. $87 million loss. Okay. Shailen, you're in the range. The listed loss is between 69 and 129. Um, 129. And to put that in 2022 terms, between 112 and $200 million. <laughs> 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 Fucking crazy stuff. Now, Shailen, director here, I'm not going to tell you his name quite yet. This is a name director. Okay. Did this ruin this poor gentleman's career? It didn't. It was Antonio Banderas's fault. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, you're wrong. The director was John McTiernan. John McTiernan. Who had yes. done Predator. Uh-huh. Had done Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3, Hunt for Red October. This movie failed so spectacularly that after this, he did the movies Rollerball, which, oh, God, and <laughs> Basic. And then Basic. he was put on criminal trial for wiretapping. Stuff he did during Rollerball and later declared bankruptcy and had all his assets liquidated. So this very oh, much boy. destroyed John McTiernan's career. Is John McTiernan okay now? Like, is he I working mean, at McDonald's? Or you like, know, I don't have that information you're just, in hand. You're just, is he well? <laughs> I just want to know that he's safe. Does he have a roof and food? He appeared in the Netflix series, How Did This Get Made? The, or, or not the, um, the movies that made us. He appeared in that talking about Die Hard. So I God, think I hope alive. they paid him for it. Yeah, he's at least alive. I just worry about his groceries. Like, does he have enough milk? I don't know. I'm sure he's like an advisor somewhere, right? I hope so. Probably. So, okay, so let's do two more. I'm going to give you guys choices, though. I'm going to give you mm-hmm. themed movies. We've got a cowboy movie. Mm-hmm. we got a pirate movie. Mm-hmm. We have an adventure film. And we have sci-fi. Sci-fi. 
You want the sci-fi. Okay. Dave, you, you're left with uh, Cowboys. You, so you want Pirates. Okay. Yeah. So we won't talk about the Lone Ranger, which is actually, I believe, the second biggest behind um, John Carter. We also won't talk about Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, a movie I had literally never heard of, but somehow <laughs> lost $125 million. Was that with Brad Pitt? It's a cartoon. <laughs> It's a, it's a cartoon. Movie. I think that's with Brad Pitt. It might be. So anyway, so it we're not almost a watch bus. We're not that. talking about those. <laughs> we got to finish this up. The sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. another animated film, the ill-fated Titan AE. What? A 2000 animated movie. I think Drew Barrymore was a voice. It's a big spaceship. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Cute. They're in space. They're, they're flying around. Made $37 million in the box office. How much money could an animated movie possibly lose, you might ask yourself? $95 million. $95 million. Okay. Dave? It made 37 It made 37 Let's see. If it cost 200 to make, I'm saying it lost $100 and uh, I'll say it lost $150 million. Uh, the answer is 100 <laughs> Ah, damn. For me, this is a double whammy where it not only lost money, it lost more money than the movie was made for. It, so this movie just had a ridiculous marketing budget. The reported production budget was 75 to 90 million, which means they spent at least 60 on marketing. Oh my God. So like they were Wild. in a loss like the day they started rolling uh, film as it were. I pay attention to a lot of movies. I read about them every day. I don't remember this movie. I don't know how you can spend $60 million on a movie like this and not have anyone remember it. So I never saw the movie, but I do remember it being marketed to hell and back. Like I remember seeing the trailer a million times. I saw commercials all over my cartoons uh, that I was watching when I was 16. Just just crazy stuff. Now, Shailen, did this kill the director's career? Animated film. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll say there are two directors and the answer is the same for both. What studio produced it? No, we're not giving you that kind of information this late. No, in the game. they're they're <laughs> come on now. They're buying their groceries using uh grocery money. They're checking groceries out. So it did kill their career, at least in the movie sense. This is yeah. a Don Bluth movie. This would be Don Bluth's last movie. <laughs> uh, which is a real shame. <laughs> Don Bluth, like a classic animator, well known for doing All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time, an American mm-hmm. Tale. You he just did described the Hobbit movies. Three movies that away? made me sob. Nope. He's still kind of working in like TV oh, and stuff. The way you worded that, it sounded like this was his final Oh, no. Movie. no I mean, this he was died. the final movie he directed. He and his partner, Gary Goldman, directed a bunch of movies, co-directed. This was bad enough that that was it for them. And then... Gary Goldman no- has a fine career. Like, he was in The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> he was in Mank recently. Like, he was pretty- the uh, the hand model in Goldfinger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Shailen, you're up by a point here. I sure am. So this is the big round. Everything, Everything's in play. Literally everything. And our last film that we're going to talk about is one that I've never seen but is near and dear to my heart. Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island. The 1995 pirate film starring Matthew Modine and Gina Davis. A movie I've never seen but I do know inspired... The wonderful Brian Adams song, Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hook made a lot of money, I think in 93. Rob Roy? Rob Roy. I don't know how much money that made. Uh, I think it was was critically lauded. (laughs) Rob Roy. Cutthroat Island. 
did not make a lot of money. It made $18.3 million in the box office. How much money did Cutthroat Island lose in, in 95 bucks? It lost $182 million. $182 million. Okay. It's aggressive. I like it. Mm-hmm. $180 million. Oh, boy. Shailen Price is right at her way to victory there. Lost 105 But Bullshit. But you know what's funny? I love Price You guys right. both said around 180 In adjusted 2022 money, $187 million is what this movie lost. That's fucking astonishing. Can you imagine? I'm just going to throw this out there. Worldwide or U.S., how many hungry children would be fed with a hundred million dollars? Of course, you think about it that way. I was going to say, remember that scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker burned the drug money? Like, I'm sure it was less than $187 million. <laughs> it seemed like a lot, though. It's fucking crazy. Just the idea that there's a group of people making this this movie, right? It's the same thing with John Carter. like, mm-hmm. And everybody's like, yeah, this is a movie people need to see. They're all excited about it, all these talented people the marketing department is like yeah we're just gonna pump in like a hundred million dollars to this film and then it goes out and it goes over like a wet fart what an amazing amazing bomb it's fascinating it's fascinating to me like how poorly something can be received by the general public like how everybody just agrees we're not gonna see this this movie sucks i guess matthew modine my question is, at what point did people make that choice, right? Was the cast excited about it? Did the director think it was going to be awesome? Was it the studio who was like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter what the edits look like. People are going to be psyched because it's pirates. Like, at what stage did it die, I guess is my question. Like, a lot of these movies, a lot of these box office bombs, it starts in development. Like, some of them are in development hell, you know, there's a lot of recasts. If the director leaves and they have to hire another one, like mm-hmm. last minute, and like the the look of the film and the edit of the film just doesn't make sense. Like people were privy, or not as much as today, obviously, but like they were privy to that, and like that usually had an effect on mm-hmm. the box office. But I mean, th- there were some successful movies, like Forrest Gump had a lot of development hell stuff, and it was like one of the biggest movies of 1994 or three or whatever that came out. There are some success stories but most of the time they just result in box office bombs hollywood baby now shailen you've already won but for a victory lap hell yeah cutthroat island Ooh, boy oh boy big big miss there did the director pay the price yes not even close no who is it <laughs> the director of cutthroat island is rennie harlan who before this had done die hard 2 he'd done cliffhanger okay he just kept on working. Did Friday the... No, no, I'm sorry. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, I think? Okay. Well, uh, he's not making great movies, but after this, after he, cut made, th- cut he, he made... I'm trying to tell you. Tell I'm just, me. I'm just trying to have, say a sentence. Faster. Boy. Long Kiss Goodnight. Great, great movie. Deep Blue Sea. Hearts Amazing Like an Ocean. Movie. 12 Rounds with Randy Orton. Still oh. active to this day. So he's not making great movies, but you know what? He's working pretty consistently and... Hey, and this gig economy. Work is work. Good for him. Jesus said it so seriously. Good for him. So that's... uh, Probably unionized. That's right. Uh, Whatever the name of this game was. um, An unbearable waste of money and talent. We don't have a mailbag this week because I forgot to pull one. Um, I got a mailbag this week. Oh, oh, boy. Okay. Um, Our co-host, guest host, Mike, did write to me this week demanding a mea culpa... (laughs) Okay. Um, we recently talked about a slur that Dave tried to use 
that I corrected him on. Mm-hmm. Mike wanted everyone to know. He's the one who sent me the article about the person who used the slur and was corrected. It was really important for him. So for I think everyone what's worse know. than me and Ben kind of resurfacing that slur uh-huh. again, a second episode after the fact. Like, I think what's worse is that you did not cite your source, Shailen. That so is, I just that want is to more say just than the slight slur that Ben and I threw out. That's not a word that I use in the context. It was used in our show. What, plagiarism? You plagiarized our host, Mike. No, that's not what happened. He sent me an article. I read it, and I immediately forgot who sent it to me. So thank you, Mike, for keeping us on the up and up, keeping us honest, and helping us to be better people. You know what the good news about this mailbag is? I I get to pull this whole thing back up. We fucked up, we fucked up. was fun (laughs) still gets me bopping anyway thanks mike for keeping us honest and thank you for keeping me on top of things do you guys want to hear another song yes (laughs) i had this one saved too i don't even remember what this is from yes let's hear it that must have been for a game called Is It Gambit, Van Damme, or Dusty Rhodes? Yeah. But okay. <laughs> All right. It was related was to their fun accent. I think that was uh, the X-Men episode. <laughs> yes. You know what? Yes. I found Diddy, that's the app that those are from, so late in its lifespan. And then I think it was bought by Apple or Amazon. Now you can't do shit like that anymore. Goddamn, that was fun. Life was better in the old days. So, uh, so that's the mailbag. So I guess uh, to to take us out of here as as we hit the summer season, what uh what movies do you guys want to see? Summer movies. Shailen Downton Abbey, I know. It's true. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a period piece. <laughs> uh, w- w- you, me, and my wife can see that together. I'm unabashedly a fan of Downton Abbey. Yes. Oh, I'm Mr. Jimbles. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Morley. I am looking forward to the Doctor Strange movie. Hmm. I thought the first one was underwhelming for a Marvel movie, um, but the except for Dear Mommy, um, <laughs> and I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this. The second one, Sam, Sam Raimi directing, uh, has me intrigued. God, what else is coming out? Lightyear, I'm interested in. I want to see Lightyear. I've heard some recent skepticism about Lightyear, which is astonishing to me, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. The new Thor movie. Yep, Thor looks good. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I was going. I was supposed to see that pre-COVID, or I guess. We, we, I had made plans to see it before COVID and then it got pushed back. Well, now look at you. Two years, yeah. And actually, basically anything but Boz Lerman's Elvis, which looks astonishingly terrible. <laughs> but Tom Hanks. Yeah. With an accent. Yeah, he's not playing Elvis, though, so. Right. <laughs> oh, man, I would have loved if he played Elvis. <laughs> he's got range. He can pull it off. I have a theory sure. that every person, every child of the next generation is going to think that the previous generations were all Tom Hanks because he was Disney and he was the guy in that thing you do. So he produced all the music of the fifties and he also played Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if their kids are going to grow up and be like, that's the guy. He was the one who did the thing. And it's always going to be Tom Hanks because he's in every movie. That's like a biopic. 
Biopic. Did you know that? It means biographical picture. Think Thank about you. that. Did you know I that? appreciate huh. that. Huh. Are you guys looking forward to Avatar 2? I have never seen yes. Avatar. <laughs> and I hope I could see it the same way I saw Avatar 1. The, the, the trailer came out this week, and it looks uh, like James Cameron was just like, yeah, what if we took uh, the avatars that I made in the in in 2010 and uh, put them underwater? Look at this. <laughs> that idea delayed that movie for eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if we did Abyss, but it had uh, the Navi, and then I made and we made that movie. What will they rip off this time? I mean, I like the movie Fern Gully, and I'm told that if I saw that, I don't need to see Avatar uh, or uh, Dances with Wolves. I never saw that one. Or, or do you saw? Do, did you see 2014's The Giver? It was terrible. Then you've kind of seen the Avatar. Okay. The first one. It's kind of the same. The give Givatar? The Givatar. The Givatar. Yeah. It's like a scimitar. A little and different. And the Gimtar. What's, what's the new Mike Myers movie coming out? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the, Whatever the it is, it's delayed, and I miss it. <laughs> Austin Powers 4. It's time. We're overdue. We're overdue. I've really wanted to see Austin Powers lately. I don't know what's gotten into me. I love that movie. Is it his excellent it well. teeth, baby? I bet the first one does. Gonna guess the other ones don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Number three movie that year. Strange. Um, Spy Who Shagged Me. Good for them. Yeah. They made money. That's what it's all about. It's a money making game, baby. Yeah, baby. That's what Avatar 2 is going to rip off. It's awesome powers. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar 2 is actually going to just rip off the snorks. Ooh. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, the Navi have little tubes on their heads. Uh, we want to hear from you. What movies do you think will influence Avatar 2, The Way of Water, I think is what it's called? That is correct. Hit us up at WatchBotsPod on Twitter with the hashtag Navinspiration. Hmm? Good one. Get your James Cameron. Nothing's ever going to do a better joke than South Park with James Cameron bringing the bar up. From right. The but we're, of the we're not doing jokes. We're doing hashtags. Related. Hashtag ter- term usenator. <laughs> Two. Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on just, boy, just everything. Everything imaginable. We're and on watch Spotify. We're on Tru- Truth Social. Yes, we've been on Spotify for many years. I, I, I cover my bases. I was making a joke. Truth Social at WatchBotSpot. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars, especially on Truth Social. I'm real uncomfortable with that. I know it's it's, it's weird. I, how like I keep it. saying the name of a thing. I, I'm uncomfortable. Truth social Stop for it. Mr. Hoops and Mr. Chips. This is Mr. Freeze. They <laughs> call you Mr. Chips. <laughs> Ta- taking us out of here. Uh, have have a great couple weeks. And to take us out of here, Chalen's going to sing the "Let's All Go to the Movie" song in. I don't know. Some kind of wacky voice. Can I just sing it? Let's all go to the movies. Yeah. Let's all go to the movies. Fuck it. Let's all go to the movies and have ourselves a snack. It is the lobby, but the movies (laughs) is funnier because it was wrong. I'm glad you didn't say lobby because that would have been real uncomfortable. I just went with it. Oh, stop saying lobby then. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Man, if I had been born in the 40s, I would have been way better <laughs> Listen, off. Listen, we were going to cut the show off, and you just kept going. Anyway, folks, go see 2014's The Giver. No, don't. It's worthless. Go see The Giver. Give her a chance. 
Give her and let die. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.